Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another chapter in the story of resilience. And today I am meeting with Mary Beth, and I would like to give you a few minutes to introduce yourself, tell us what you're about, what you do, and then we'll jump into it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. I love to do these and to talk about topics like resilience. My name's Mary Beth Samich. I'm a licensed counseling professional associate and I have a private practice in uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina. I also do teletherapy um, for convenience, but I work mainly with teens and young adults. Um, a lot of different issues. I love family dynamics. I see a lot of clients um, for issues about like anxiety and relationships and I mean, a lot of things. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad to be here today and to talk about this with you. I am excited. So it sounds like you have plenty of professional, but also um, experiential experience that'll help us explore um, what resilience means to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun to kind of get to talk about my experiences with resilience. I think right. we are told not to kind of, you know, we're supposed to be blank slate and we're told not to share our experiences, but uh, I practice more of a modern mental health philosophy where that's really the strength of like your work is exactly the empathy that you can share with clients who have been through similar things and you know really connecting with that so. yeah yeah I was trained similarly the whole concept of being a black blank slate is a myth and so learning to use your experiences and your emotional reactions in a healing way versus trying to pretend like they're not there or don't exist Exactly. I can't even tell you how much this topic in particular plays into my work with clients. So. so I'm excited. So to start off, how would you uh, fill in the following? Resilience is? Resilience, uh, in my opinion, is a process of acceptance. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, when I, you know, when I've been through different things in life, when I really accepted those unfortunate circumstances I've been in, I was able to be resilient and to practice resilience. It's when I fought the circumstances that I really struggled um, and was kind of hindered from resilience. So this is something I talk about with clients all the time, just kind of accepting what's happening to you. And I think that's the most essential piece to overcoming it, resilience. Yes. So can you um, even maybe break down a little bit more what it is that you mean when you say acceptance? Yeah, um, I mean, I could tell you the story, the story that kind of goes along with this. Yes. Um, so right after graduate school, um, I had just finished my Ivy League degree and I was ready to kind of like get going and uh, really excited for that opportunity. It was a huge time of transition for me. I actually, that was when I moved in with my boyfriend, who is now my husband, um, and kind of left the city. And uh, so that was all looking great. I got my first job and then he is actually um, prior army. He's still reserve army, army okay. reserve. Okay, yeah. we have that in common. I'm a military spouse. You know what? When I saw Hawaii on your profile, I was like, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely have that in common. So you'll understand this even more. Um, I got there. I got a job. Two months later, the Army told us, you're leaving. Mm -hmm. 
and I, you know, have been type A my whole life, and mm-hmm. kind of be out of control in that way, and not have control over my life in that way, was a huge challenge. Oh my me. gosh, yes. <laughs> and so throughout that whole year, it was like one of the most challenging years for myself, for my now husband, for our relationship, because we actually ended up moving three times in that year. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was our world kind of turned upside down and I felt like I lacked the security of stability um, to where I could really kind of ground myself and start mm-hmm. my career. And that um, I started to feel kind of insecure about not using that degree right away and getting some, you know, people start to make their comments about their thoughts about what you're doing and mm-hmm. that was kind of beating at me. And so for so long I fought what was happening. I was like, I can make this happen, or let's do this, and and we'll change this, and we'll make it work, thinking, you know, how I wanted it to be. Right. It wasn't until, like I said, I fully accepted that this is something out of my control right now, uh-huh. um, that I was really able to practice resilience. And so accepting that was hard, right? It, it took a lot, um, but the longer I fought it, the harder it got. And so when I kind of embraced the idea that, all right, the universe has my back in this. (laughs) Part of that is so much kind of about practicing faith and not not even in like a religious. Yes, it's it's more spiritual. Yes, like a calm assuredness that this is going to work out and it's going to be okay. Yes. Once you really embrace that, you're able to relax into that. And it's crazy because once you do that, doors start to open and vision gets, your view gets wider and the opportunities kind of come to you. And so, so much of it's about energy. Yeah. And I'm hearing when you were mentioning like your, your perspective changed as soon as you started embracing and accepting, okay, this is what it is. So then once you leaned into that perspective of all things are going to work out for my good, like I have a greater power that has my back, like I'm going to be okay. Then you were able to be more aware of possible solutions of how things can work out versus you saying, you know, this is exactly what I want. This is the one way. And these are the things that I'm going to try to do to make it happen. All of what you're saying was like, that was anxiety that, that narrowed view was Mm -hmm. one way. And that anxiety really worked as a blocking factor against me. And I wasn't able to see all of my creative possibilities that in front of me. Right. Focused on, well, it should be this way. Right, right. That makes so much sense. I love how you how you kind of were able to make that connection. Like, okay, what where is this? What emotion was kind of coaching this? Like that was coming from a place of anxiety. But when you're able to sit with acceptance, then you're able to operate from a place of creativeness and solution finding and things of that nature. So also being in tune with like, okay, what emotion is taking the lead here? Definitely. When did it actually like sink in for you that you are resilient? Yeah. Um, When I kind of, honestly, probably not until I got to the other side of it. (laughs) Um, Because it definitely felt like a struggle that whole time. And, and as I look back and I think, you know, I've been through so many things in my life, Um, you know, death of family and friends and different, really difficult experiences. But that is the one that I look at 
as the most transforming um, self-growth-wise because it was such a place of transition and discomfort. And those other things like death of a loved one, you're kind of coached on how to um, get through that and, yeah. and on that grief. And it's also normalized within society. But right. this one was all like self-directed and related to more like an expectation and those yeah. people don't think we have enough coaching around agreed yeah agreed. so so that um I think when I got to the other side and I looked back at all the self-growth that had really happened throughout that time and the fact that I had gotten through it despite you know people kind of putting their input in there and and not helping not feeling very supportive and I definitely had a supportive group on the other side but mm -hmm. um I think looking back is when I thought to myself like yeah that was resilient yeah so being able to um be exposed to so much adversity and then figure out a way to actually make it serve you make it work for you in your growth and development it was kind of a self-reflective process like oh yes yes, I did that. And that just shows how capable and powerful and strong and resilient I am. Right. And the more that I kind of accepted that, that acceptance word again, yeah. <laughs> um, the more I accepted all of that and these new doors started opening, the more and more assured I felt in, in this process of resilience, right? Like, okay, yeah. working, keep going, keep using yeah. this mindset because really working for you right. that blocking anxious one is not yes yeah I was able to confirm that message because as you said like in the beginning it was kind of a step of faith type of thing but then once you took that step and you saw that okay this is this is working was just confirming that idea and confirming kind of the the urgency and the importance of continuing to operate from that place yeah and once you get to that place you don't want to go back to the other one how do you get yourself back to this place if an old habit of wanting to go, not really wanting to, but you know, sometimes old habits are triggered or a person that we haven't talked to in a while reaches back out and it kind of takes us back a little bit. How is it that you found to stay grounded in the new place that you've grown into? Yeah, you know, during that time, I actually read a book that was called The Universe Has Your Back. It's by Gabby Bernstein. It's really kind of her philosophy too, that that whole like just kind of trust and what's going to happen. And so every once in a while, if I can feel those anxious triggers arising, I'll like pick up her book and read it even just like a chapter. And that's very feel good. I've used it in sessions with clients before and it's all about kind of releasing that anxiety and trusting yourself and trusting what's meant for you and really kind of widening your view. Yeah. So you're starting to touch into um, another thing I wanted us to talk about was where was it that you kind of saw these examples of resilience? So it sounds like the book was one really important place where you saw what this could look like. Uh, do you have any other experiences that kind of showed that to you? For sure. So during that time, I was definitely reading that book. Another supportive influence then was my mother-in-law, actually. She um, was an army wife, I mean, her whole entire life. Okay. Um, and she had three kids. They moved, I think, like 14 times or something. You know how army families move every few years. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I've heard stories of her moving to foreign countries with three kids, little 
tiny kids and one being my husband and uh her house burns down she doesn't know the language i'm like so many things have been thrown oh, at this woman goodness. and she has just totally and resiliently navigated them uh like a total rock star so mm -hmm. i think that that takes courage to be calm in really challenging situations and mm -hmm. that's another way i guess i would kind of describe resilience is the courage to be calm yes and it takes so much self-control too because it's so much easier to just match whatever energy we're being surrounded with so if that's like chaos and it's it's kind of easier just to go with that but to really do the work to practice self-control and to be calm and to try to like stay in alignment with your values and what's important to you when all of this madness is happening around you that it takes a lot of courage and strength like yeah, so I think I really kind of aligned with her experience because, I mean, the army was kind of throwing me for a loop too at the time. Right. So right. I felt that. Um, but also just now in my work, the examples of resilience that I see from clients every day. Um, and occasionally I'll get to kind of walk through that journey with them. And that's a really cool thing to be able to do. So. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you're, you're, awareness of resilience is kind of like your resilience radar continues to be fed and refined as you on a daily basis it sounds like definitely and that's what i mean by you know sharing these experiences with your clients can be so healing and so connecting and powerful in the therapy room um because if i hadn't embraced that and learned from it and got through it like i couldn't use it in the same way to inform the work that i'm doing so, right yeah i think you know it, it, served me and it served my clients in the long run. Yes. Okay. So your your mother-in-law was one place, the, the book that you read, also the work that you do with your clients, like seeing how people are able to overcome hardships, seeing people's ability to grow despite the circumstances around them. Those were the things that just uh, increased your awareness of our ability as humans to be resilient and to overcome adversity. So what, what have you done consciously or unconsciously over time to grow your personal resilience? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, to grow my personal resilience. I mean, I'm just speaking I'm now. I'm trying not to, um, you know, overreact at times. And don't get me wrong, like when something big happens, there's always kind of that immediate reaction. Right. But it's also kind of how your self-talk that's involved in that afterwards um, mm -hmm. that can be where you go from there. Right. So keeping that in check. Um, Do you have a couple examples of like of helpful self-talk? Oh, um, <laughs> you could say something as simple as the universe has my back, right? Right, like, right, right. Kind of spoken with clients about that and then I hear them say it in session and it, it's like that, you know, proud moment right. <laughs> where they so didn't believe it before but they've also adopted that calm assuredness now yeah. where yeah. they can and that's like really the anxiety just plummets when you're able to embrace that approach right so and you you mentioned this a couple times but like now i'm understanding it in a different way too it, it sounds like in your resilience journey you have figured out a way to make anxiety actually serve as a trigger to your beliefs and values 
So like when you feel anxious, rather than like going down this dark rabbit hole and oh my God, what if, what if, what if, what if, you use that as a trigger to be like, okay, what is it that I believe? I know that things are going to work out for my good. I know the universe has my back. I know I'm going to be okay. So what I need to do is, you know, pay attention to my self-talk, make sure what I'm telling myself is consistent with what I believe, make sure, uh, what are other, other things you mentioned? I love all of that. And so, and I think you really hit on the idea that negative emotions can really you, right? They can really inform, like they're there for a reason and they're there to prompt you to think about something more critically or kind of get more comfortable. And I'm a huge believer that you've got to like work through those feelings and embrace them, accept them again, there's acceptance again. Um, But just to kind of work through them and let them inform you. Okay. I'm writing these down because I think like this is like the meat of our conversation, right? Because a lot of times people are like, yeah, that sounds really good. Or, you know, I like the, the philosophy or the concept, but like, how do I actually do it? And you just gave a, a few like concrete techniques that people can use. Like when you have that negative emotion, work through it, process it, figure out what it's trying to tell you. Definitely accept it, tune into it. Think about where your discomfort's coming from, like where is it rooted and, and what messages are you getting that are creating it? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, you know, practice that self-talk, practice that, that kind of almost comforting your own self through um, some of the things that we've just talked about. Right. Yeah. And that self-comforting, that self-soothing is so important. Many times we kind of expect other people to help us through it or do that for us versus taking that accountability on ourselves. Exactly. And when other people try to do it, it, it can be a little superficial. Maybe their their words aren't exactly what you want to hear. They're what they would want to hear. And so it's yes. I, as soon as you said that, I remembered a, a comment you made earlier in our conversation where you were saying like, people were commenting and adding their two cents when everything was happening. And so like, you know, I don't know who the people are, what they were saying, but I, I imagine, you know, in their mind, they were thinking they were being helpful or I don't know, trying to do something. But a lot of times like our intention and our outcome or our consequence aren't always in alignment. So we just say stuff and it's not really what the other person needs to hear at all. Yes. Especially when they're kind of, I, I would call army and military life almost a different culture. Oh, it, it absolutely is. Like military culture is a thing. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad it, it really on that. And so when, you know, civilian people in my life would kind of say, oh, well, just do this. I'd be like, that's not an option. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't understand the military yeah. culture. And so they thought that would be comforting. But really it was even more frustrating because – I was working on accepting that that wasn't an option and that wasn't how it worked. So yeah, Yeah. you sharing that is just like triggering a whole bunch of stuff for me too. Cause I'm just like, you know, I have a life plan five years. This is going to happen. 10 years. This is going to happen. And yeah, once those papers are signed, the government decides where you go and the whole state licensure thing. And Yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely, finding in in our in our culture too it's all about you know like self-empowerment and you have control over your life and all these things so it creates some dissonance when it's just like yeah I'm all about that but 
there are a lot of things that most people have control over that as a military family, you do not. And so it's difficult to integrate like that belief, but how do I actually act on that in this situation that I'm in? And then practicing your self-control in other ways. Yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, resilience is definitely something that is bred into military families, many of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. It almost has to be. Yeah, or else, yeah, or else it's, it could easily, <laughs> easily go downhill. <laughs> okay, what, what would you add? Would there be anything else you would add? So far, I got um, the importance of being able to self-soothe, regulate your emotions, um, practicing calmness, especially when there is that temptation to like react and um, paying attention to what it is that you feel. You mentioned working through it, accepting it, tuning into them, paying attention to where they're coming from. Did I miss anything? No, I think that was a great kind of culmination of everything we've talked about. Um, I think the, another kind of important factor in developing resilience is that it's a protective factor. Um, from anxiety, from depression, despair, like I could have, you know, gone down a rabbit hole that year yes. <laughs> and, um, with all the things thrown at us. And yes. it was just kind of like one thing after another, but that resilience is really a protective factor for me um, because so much anxiety and depression and all of that is also so related mind-body connection-wise. Yes. And really take a toll on your health and on your body and I see that a lot in my office when it's, you know, gotten to that stage. And so building up resilience can really um, you know, be a protective factor in that way. Too. Yeah, yeah. It prevents things becoming chronic and things expressing themselves physically in other ways. And also the impact, it, it it's a protective factor to your relationship as well. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was why is it that you believe resilience is important? And I mean, that... That is a great answer right there because it, it's preventative. It helps protect us from so many physical illnesses, relationship dysfunctions, and then just our own psychological, emotional, physical well-being. You know, I was kind of prepping for this and looking at your page, and I love the quotes you do, right? <laughs> <laughs> and one of them that I saw was there's things, there are things that you learn best like in the storm and then things you learn best in the call. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that is so perfect. And the sun just like came in. Did you see that? <laughs> 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 open and it just like became so much brighter in this room. Um, but, which is funny, right? But that is, resilience is one of those things. You can't yes. learn resilience in the calm. Right? No, right. Calm, but you can't learn resilience until you're really kind of in the thick of the storm. And right. And also kind of maybe embrace the storm because it's a teacher again, like all of the, we have a, this tendency in our culture to reject anything that doesn't feel good or, you know, pain and anger and anxiety and all those negative emotions, but that's often half our lives. So the sooner we can get used to becoming comfortable with that, right. you know, the more we'll learn about ourselves. Yeah. And I like how you, you make a clear distinction between like, you know, just like accepting as far as um, sometimes I hear some people having an aversion to that because it's like settling or just being, you know, com complicit with things. But you are very clear that, no, it's about learning. It's about figuring out how to um, use this as a teacher 
and then I can use this for my greater good, for um, the impact that I have on the other people. And, you know, obviously as a therapist, like you have that residual impact on so many lives. And so understanding that the storms aren't, aren't bad, but once you accept it and accept it as a lesson, then that's how, how you can use it to your advantage. Yeah. So that's a beautiful distinction there. Thank you. <laughs> so as we're wrapping up, um, who would you hope that your story of resilience touches? Sure. Anyone who is struggling to accept the circumstances they've been handed, especially if they're out of control, and especially if they're a little type A like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I took, um, have you taken the Enneagram test? Yes. Yes. Some people I ask that and they're like, what are you talking about? And others are like, yes. <laughs> um, but I was 314. So three right? Overachiever. One was perfectionist and four is kind of my more like emotional in tune therapy self. Um, but that overachiever perfectionist really got me that year. And so I hope this speaks to anyone who identifies with that. Um, perfectionism, the tendency to try to be a high achiever in type A, um, because it will throw you for a loop when you lose your control. Um, yeah. and that, again, it's a huge teacher if that happens to you and to kind of just accept and embrace and ride through it. Yes, I think that's so powerful. A lot of times when we do identify as perfectionists or, you know, that type A and that control piece, how is it, so once you, you know, went through that, that resilience journey and you figured out how to accept, how is it that you would describe your relationship with those personality traits now? Ooh, um, well, I read the Enneagram book and I'm constantly learning more and more about myself and, you know, what kind of strengths and weaknesses come with those personality types and mm -hmm. where my blind spots are. And so I always encourage continued self-growth and self-evaluation in those ways. Um, I honestly recommend that book to my clients often, um, but it's just something to kind of keep in check and remind myself. And again, with kind of that self-talk, like, it doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Just finish it, right? Done okay. Good. What was that kind of quote? It's like, done is better than perfect. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that a lot working on my dissertation. Yeah. <laughs> dissertation is better than yeah. perfect. Yeah. And especially because if you have any like hints of perfectionism in your personality and in your life, like you're done is probably someone else's perfect. And so that's yeah. also what I try to remind That's me. a good one. I haven't heard that one before. I like that. So that's probably <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, we can quote that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of, I just keep myself in check and continue. I never think you're done doing self-growth stuff. I can yeah. only help so. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So it's, it's, it's about learning how to make those traits work for you versus saying like, oh, that's just how I am and kind of, resigning your power to the overachiever or to the perfectionist but like learning like no these help me in these situations but when I let them you know sit in the manager's chair for too long then then they don't tend to serve me so it's it's not about trying to change them or eliminate them but learn how to make them work for you yeah keep them in check yeah Okay. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about you, how can they reach out? 
Definitely. Um, so Instagram, my uh, handle is at your journey through. That's the name of my practice. Um, my website's yourjourneythrough.com. My email is marybeth at yourjourneythrough. Um, but Instagram is probably the quickest way to reach me. Um, so definitely follow that um, for more posts on things like this. All right. Thank you again so much. It was a pleasure connecting with you. And we'll see you all on the group. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.